CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Pleasure Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, July the 17th. Virginia opens spring, sorry, spring, wow, fall practice uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, Ferber will actually be on the scene covering it uh, for us, much much uh, thanks to him. Uh, we're we're going to talk some, some uh, football preseason stuff in a little bit. We will also get into... Um, some hoops things as well. Uh, we're going to revisit a podcast topic that we did prior to the Final Four. Um, shouts to whoever it was that brought that up because um, it's going to provide for uh, some good conversation, some good topics, if you will. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody up in Fishersville. David Spence is back on the show. How are you, my friend? Feels good to be here, Brad. It feels a little unusual. Kind of out of my element. It's been a, been a little break for me. I was going to ask um, you, like, how did you enjoy your uh, your vacation from the podcast? Well, I mean, I wish. Unfortunately, this one didn't correlate with a vacation. It was like more work, so less fun. Um, Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And up in Reston, uh, Justin Ferber, the aforementioned uh, staff writer from the website, is also on the program. How are you, my friend? I am from the website, indeed, um, and I'm back. And I'm shout out of a cannon because it's been like a month off and. Let's get into some topics, good or <laughs> mediocre, or, or mediocre. Whatever. Let's not let's not strive for mediocre. That's let's not, just have a conversation. That's not good. Uh, do your Twitter thing so I can do my Twitter. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, I am on Twitter at Justin underscore Ferber, uh, and then uh, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, content items, and uh, sometimes sharing YouTube videos from uh, three weeks ago. Okay. So, we, we haven't had a chance to talk about Jabri Abdul-Rahim committing to the Cavaliers, closing out the 2020 class, and I thought it would be a good place to start. Um, shout out to Kevin Flint, who was my first guest on Did You Have a, a Question last week. Recorded with him that night, and he didn't. we didn't talk about it basically at all, um, which I thought was kind of ironic in the big scheme of things. Um, but uh, obviously a huge commitment for UVA. Not necessarily something we didn't expect. Some of us had the future cast locked in well before. Um, humble brag. Um, so I'm, I guess for me, as we, I, I want to talk about Jabri first, as in in terms of um, that commitment, and then talk a little bit more about the class as a whole. Um, Dave, when you when it started becoming pretty obvious that that this thing with Jabri was was moving in in the commitment direction, uh, we had a lot of conversations at t- around Top One Hunter Camp about his game. I felt like as you, the more you watched him, the more you started to to really get excited. What was it about what you saw that, that really excited you about him and, and how do you feel now with him having committed uh, and being a part of that class? I mean, there's a lot to like about that kid's game. He, you know, he's got size, so, so we'll strike that box off. Um, I mean, I don't think he's an Uber athlete, but he's, a, you know, he's a plus athlete, which you have to be to play, to play ACC. Um, I know people point to Todd Jerome, but Todd Jerome's a plus athlete. Just, just watch. Um, and he's just so heady, you know. I don't think you'll see a single play in his highlight reel that kind of makes you go, ooh. Like, you know, he's not a big highlight guy. He's just – I don't like to equate him to Ty because I think their game's a little different. But he just knows how to use speed, space, um, angles, all that stuff. Just a very heady ball player for someone his age, um, which historically has worked out well for, for Tony on the recruiting trail. Um, obviously – you know, a wing with size who can shoot the ball. Little unorthodox release, but pretty you know, it's got a good arc, it's got good good rotation, and he seems to shoot it pretty well. Um, and he's got a real good knack for finishing at the rim, even though he doesn't dunk very often, which I've kind of 
texted you guys about. Um, you know, he'll dunk if it's there, but he's not, you know, he'll just lay it up, take his points and move on. Um, clearly a guy who can score when, when the ball is kind of stuck with him late in the clock. And, you know, I think when you, when you look at the way the game's played and you even look back at that national title run we just had, you know, that, that becomes important in games and you can never have enough of those guys on your team. And then when you start talking about his personality and his background, his dad's background, sounds like a guy who knows exactly what he's getting into um buys into the team concept i think it's a great fit um kind of remind the whole recruitment thing with him and you know coleman who's going to take the last spot i don't know maybe i'm misremembering things here but it seems a little bit like dre and braxton back in the day like you know it seemed wasn't it braxton that was about to come visit and all that stuff and might be committing and then Dre Hunter kind of came in and all of a sudden was committed and there was no more no more room at the end. We, I mean, we literally had a podcast where we discussed this. I remember we yeah. were like, which one would you rather have? Right. And yeah, I think yeah. it might have been a third player, actually, in that mix, too. But I remember like we literally went through that yeah. conversation. And then I didn't realize that Braxton Blackwell changed his name at one point. He's <laughs> like, wait. Oh, and that's that dude, coming, yeah. Yeah, well, he was coming to UVA and I was like, oh, that's the guy. Because I remember on the podcast I said that that's the guy that I prefer to Dre, which seems really dumb now. But anyway. I, I mean, it's time. But yeah, also, it's funny how things work out. But also, well, too, I, honestly, my, my logic for it was that I thought Braxton was a better offensive player, like coming out of high school. Like he had he had a better shot. And honestly, like I don't think he has a bad shot now. It's just he hasn't really, like, hasn't shown up. But that was back when he was supposed to be. A, he was going to be more four than he was like three four. Do you remember that? And there like, was a he lot was, of talk about him going to like Michigan State and different yeah. places. Like he was like a big time recruit. You know, back yeah. then. And what's weird too is it like he hit, yeah, because that's, you're right, Dave, because he had just cut his list uh, and was, and Virginia was still in it, and there was supposed to be a visit. And then that's when, I mean, I'm not saying that they used that leverage uh, to close with Dre on his official foot, but man, it didn't hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's what it reminded me of. And you know, let's hope, hope it projects that way. Um, a great pickup and good Lord. Yeah. At what point do we stop like questioning? You know, saying the thing that Tony has approved is he can recruit. Like when Tony's got guys he needs and and wants, he gets them. Um, I mean, it, you you look at you know getting Ty and Kyle and, and that class, and then you know, granted he has some classes in between, but he didn't have playing time to sell. You know, playing time and no championships. No one's selling you know recruiting guys who don't have playing time available. That just doesn't happen. Unless so you're just now, gonna promise it anyway. Yeah, but I mean, I think even then, if you if you look at the landscape, like that's starting to change. Um, I mean, you get you get classes like you know Kentucky, Kansas, and Duke signing five or six guys a year, but they're replacing four or five most of those years. So true, there might be one dude coming. Yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, they can go through an entire cycle and, and like pitching that. So like you know, Trevor Keels is a twenty twenty one. Like they can pitch him now, saying like the guys in the twenty twenty class won't be there. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's because you know, unless they unless they fall flat on their face, they won't be. Yeah, it's a lot different recruiting like a guy against a freshman who you know a guy who will have played one year when you come in versus a guy who's been there two, right? So, you know, another big class, and we we talked about it the last time we convened was you know thinking about how quickly things change from who's going to be on the roster to now. Now we're talking twenty twenty one, you know, six weeks later. So, the man gets it done. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, just to kind of follow with what you were saying, um, I we talked a little bit between podcasts a few weeks. I think it was during the Top 100 camp 
And Brad was kind of saying, like, man, I think they got a real shot to get this kid. And, I mean, you can maybe speak to this more than I can, but he was a guy that was on the radar, but not necessarily as prominent. Like, maybe, I mean, I'm not saying he wasn't as high on the board, but he wasn't as, like, likely to come to UVA as a Keon Johnson or a Henry Coleman, right? I mean. I would agree with that. It, until the last few weeks. And then it was like, I mean, maybe he was just quietly high on UVA, but maybe not. Like, it wasn't on the radar. You know what I Somebody mean? Somebody put that sucker in the oven. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was like, well, it was like on the radar. Maybe he was interested, but he just hadn't said so, right? Or whatever. And it just, it wasn't on the radar in the same way that when we talk recruiting, it was a lot about Keon Johnson and a lot about Henry Coleman, right? And, and Jabri, I told you guys between podcasts, I, you know, with recruiting, you can't watch whole games necessarily, but you can watch as much as you can on YouTube and and read things and watch interviews and different things. And I told you guys, the more I see of this kid, the more I want him, like uh, the more I like I would want him as a fan. Right. Um, He he fits the UVA. Dave mentioned he fits the profile. He's he's a really smart, articulate kid that he shines in interviews. And that's not necessarily the most important thing. But I mean, it kind of. He seems like a guy that would fit in at UVA. Um, I saw an interview with him where he was asked, I think it was by Jeff Goodman, about the uh, the new recruiting calendar and the rules. And he was like he on it. Like he knew everything about the rules and when the dead periods are and all that stuff and was like giving a very good take about how it affects guys that are not as highly recruited and all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, this kid's good. And then you watch him play basketball and you're like, okay, you know, he he's a creative finisher um dave kind of hit on that like he's not the most athletic guy maybe but he can score in a number of different ways around the rim like he he has a good feel for the game getting to the rim and he's got that he has he has what i would say is like a frame that has a lot of potential to become more than what he is now and he's already good but i think the potential the ceiling is a guy like a dre or uh I, I compared him to Mikel Bridges, who played at Villanova and is now with the Phoenix Suns with Ty Jerome. Um, and I think it was Embrace the Pace on Twitter was saying that Mikel Bridges was a better shooter than him. And I think, I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, refute him or debate him on that. Like, I, I get what he's saying. But if you look at Mikel Bridges' college numbers, his first year in college, he shot like less than 30% from three. And then by the time he left, he was over 40%. Dre came to UVA as a project, as a shooter. Like he could get to the rim and score and he could shoot a little bit. But I remember we were kind of in awe of how good of a shooter he seemed to be after his freshman redshirt year in those YouTube videos that surfaced of him like working out. Like, yeah, and look what he ended up, he became a plus 40% shooter and ended up becoming a lottery pick. And I think this guy has the potential to become that because of his frame and his creativity around the rim and his buy-in to, I think, what UVA is going to be trying to do on both ends of the floor. I feel like it wasn't that long ago, right? And I forget, was it Corey or Bossy who wrote a story? It was basically the, the premise of the story was Jabri was pushing for a fifth star, right? And I, I don't know what is what kind of is kind of blowing my mind more, that Virginia won a national title. Okay, it's probably that. But also, too, like, here's a kid who – not that long ago, the conversation was pushing for a fifth star. Now, because his team didn't get to play in Peach Jam, that that changed a little bit for him, and that's just sort of the way that this process can go. But, I mean, he led the top 100 camp in scoring. Virginia got the kid who led top 100 camp in scoring. That's nuts. 
Like, and to, to your point about Dre, um, I think Jabri, he has a lot of different tools that make him such a formidable prospect, right? The frame, I think the pedigree is something to the point about, you know, the way he understands not just the game, but also things around the game. You don't have to spend a lot of time with this kid to know. Like, he, I remember him saying something to me at Top 100, like, he was appreciative of UVA recruiting him. And I don't think I've ever heard a kid phrase it that way. Um, and that was before he had taken the unofficial, before he had taken the official, before this thing, you know, was in the oven. But I just, I, I just think that with a kid like him, you don't have to spend a lot of time to make him understand that you have to go to work, right? You don't have to put in a lot of effort to get his attention when it comes to the details of things. Like, that in and of itself, beyond his actual just ability. Um, I talked a lot during Top 100 about, you know, some of the, I was having a problem, like, trying to find a good comparison for him. But it, but it ultimately... It, it kind of didn't matter. Like he can be his, he can be whoever he is. Like I feel like he is in some ways like Dre or Braxton in the sense of like his frame and how long he is and the way he he uses it. He's not as physical maybe as as Braxton is, and he's certainly not as um, uh, maybe flexible as Dre is at times. But he's also more succinct in his moves. He can finish around the rim. I, I mentioned that he has this he has this tendency sometimes when he when he slashes to to bend his to kind of crouch a little bit, almost like his shoulders hunch, right? And I think that's just a product of a kid who got tall, right? And he's still not quite, he still, he, you know, that's some stuff for my Curtis to work out. But you can't teach his feel for, for getting to his spots. You can't teach his ability to, you know, his, his agility and the way he, he uses his body and the, and, the, and the angles to get where he wants to be. I, I think the kid is, is, is exactly the kind of player Virginia needed in this class because you look at, okay, so you got Reese Beekman. You got the point guard that you wanted. You already had Carson McCorkle, the shooter, scorer that you, that, you, that, you, that you wanted. You look around at the roster, Jabri's exactly the kind of guy that they needed. Now, if you, ha- if you put a gun to my head and you said you can only have one between Keon Johnson and Jabri and you're going to go try to win a national championship, in, in a vacuum, Keon is such a ridiculous athlete that it's hard to not be wowed by that, right? But at the same time, like I look at the roster as it's constructed and as it projects, I think Jabri's the better fit. And, and I'm not saying that because he, UVA got him. I'm saying that because I think sometimes you just need a dude who's going to go get you a bucket, man. And, like, that dude is, like, he is, above all, I think the thing that drove Virginia to a national championship, even probably more so, I don't, don't, don't email me, but, like, even maybe more so than Pillars and culture and stuff, Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter, they believe in themselves in a way that is almost borderline unhealthy. Jabri has that. that, that it's not the same type of dog in terms of, like, you know, I'm going to go dunk on this guy's head, but it is definitely something, you know, like a cousin of that. And you need that. You need guys who have no doubt when they take a big shot in a big moment that that thing's going to go in. And I think those three dudes had it. This kid's got it. I think that's, you know, good for UVA. Dave, what do you think of the fit with Jabri and the other guys in 2020? Yeah, it's pretty good, man. I mean, that's a, that's, that's a good threesome, right? I mean, um, I don't want to you know, try to compare them to the big three they're leaving, but that's essentially, you know, if everything plays out, I mean, I think Reese is Reese and Ty, Kyle and Carson and, and Dre and Jabri, like you've proven that those get three guys like that. It can work. Now the, the look, I, I don't want to try to say these guys are going to be those guys. Cause uh, I think we'll all look back 10 years from now and realize how 
Yeah. You know, DeAndre. Guys like Ty, Kyle, well. and, and Dre don't come around. No, you, you don't get them very often. Um, but, you know, they, these guys certainly fit the mold. So, I mean, and just base, so it's easy to see how if you've got guys that kind of have some of those similarities, how they can fit into the system that Tony runs, right? So, I mean, I, mean, I like it. Um, I mean, you're right. Jabri, in a comparison, I've been the only guy who really sticks in my mind, and I haven't seen Jabri Lob just just what I can find online. Um, he's like a, a better version of Chris Williams to me. He was just a savvy scorer who was, didn't over-athlete you. Um, I think he's got a little bit better handle than Chris had, but that's the only Virginia player I could correlate him to. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I'll just leave it there. <laughs> RIP. RIP. No, that's true, yeah. He's going to say RIP makes move. Yeah, I mean, I think what, what Brad said about, like, the workman – Workman like attitude. I mean, his dad. If you guys remember, like that, that was like a big part of like his, you know, what he was in the NBA. Like that dude was. Like, his dad was a one and done in college, right? Sharif Abdurrahim. Yeah, I mean, he was a one and done, right? I don't know. I mean, I don't remember. <laughs> like, was, Le- yeah, left for what you talking, and I'll Google it. I just mean when he was like with the Grizzlies. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that he was a grinder, like on the glass. Obviously, he's a different kind of player, but. Um, I also didn't realize, I think I told you guys this, but I didn't realize his dad is like the president of the G League. Um, but he is. So, I mean, I don't know if that helps or anything, but it's an interesting fact. But, yeah, I mean, I think, like Brad said, guys that can get buckets, creative scorers. Um, and then you hope that the shot comes along. And, and UVA has a pretty good track record of getting guys from, you know, a decent shooter to a great shooter or um, a bad shooter to an okay shooter. I think that, you know, they've they've done a pretty good job with that over the years. And I trust that they'll be able to to get him to be, you know, a high 30s, maybe 40 percent three point shooter during his career. I don't know how the longer three point line will affect things, but I I trust that he'll be able to come in and and contribute right away. And the class is very solid. I mean, you got to like the guys that they got in the class. And um, for now, you know, like this is it. Brad, how many how many scholarships are left in this class? <laughs> none. Zero. None. Yeah, they're full. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but but you have to like what they were able to get, and you know, Dave kind of touched on Tony's recruiting overall. Like, I, I don't think there's any doubt about his ability to get guys. Uh, the question now is whether you can get guys that are in a different echelon altogether. You know, down the road. Um, and, and that remains to be seen. But he also got probably, I don't know if I'm forgetting anyone, but probably a top one, two, or three transfer this year too. I mean, he got he got Sam Hauser to come to UVA. So that's, that's also a, a nice win for them. And uh, I think that the way things are looking now, I don't want to, I, I don't want to discount this season because I think they're going to be fine, but it's setting up to where if, Especially if Morcel and Wolda Tensai hit the way that I think they will, um, the next season, that 2020 2021 season, could be that could be a very, very talented team that could really make a run at the title. <laughs> it feels so weird now to say things like really make a run at the title, doesn't it? It's <laughs> just so strange. Yeah, yeah um, I mean, but now that it's done, you kind of realize that it is possible. Like you don't have to pretend like it's not possible. Right. And I think also too, we have a better feel for like, Oh, this is what it takes. Like to, to the point about his, you know, the, the, the way that the pieces fit together. Right. 
God, Tony Bennett, dude. All right, look, let's just take a step back. He's had a heck of a run. Now, granted, to I think it was Dave who said it earlier. Like sometimes when you can't sell playing time, it's really hard to get a kid to buy to 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 say yes to a system, right? When you don't have the playing time, right? But think about the run he's on, right? With so he gets Jabri, he got Sam Hauser. Excuse me, he got Reese Beekman, he got Sam Hauser. Walter Tensai, Sam Hauser. Uh, Casey Morsell, he pulled Sh- Caden Shedrick, who everybody in North Carolina will tell you was the steal of that class. And I, I think as constructed on the current roster, he has by far the highest ceiling of any of them, right? He's probably going to be too good to keep off the court as a, as a first year. Um, and, and I understand that. Like, Don't forget McCoy, man. No, I'm not. I'm <laughs> McCoy's going to be a player and, and, too. And, and, but I think that actually underscores the point, right? He pulled a Carolina kid with a Carolina offer. Right. Late in the cycle, like he he really it's it's not just the title and 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 having three, you know, draft picks, two in the first round. It's it's the recruiting run. He's also been on like the thing has really in a very short amount of time, because I mean, look, we we went from, you know, the 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 17, 18 classes. Right. Which were were not, you know, getting you know a, a lot of pub. Uh, and and some of the you know the the exits of the past in terms I mean like some the, it, it's just a really good example of like when you, sometimes when you got it cooking it 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 happens fast and it comes together quickly and I mean that dude's been on a heck of a run. Speaking of earlier uh, this year, we did a deal or no deal segment where we where Ferber like tossed out these hypotheticals and we said you know whether we would take it or not. And I thought it would yeah, be Yeah, we kind of we kind of spoke one of them into existence. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be fun to revisit those. So who's got the notes on what those were and let's go through and and revisit them and 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 just have a little bit of a uh, a rehash if you will. I think Dave had them. Right? Dave, do you have those yeah, notes? Yeah, I got them. I right. got them. Um so the first one was would you take a final four but lose in the semifinals? And we all took okay. that. For context, this was like probably a month left in the regular season. Right? Yeah, yes, I was going to say it was before, it was before the, the ACC championship. Yeah, so it was like in the middle of the ACC season. So they were having a really nice year. They were projected one seed, but obviously they had just lost to UMBC the year before, hadn't won a tournament game yet. So you were basically like, the idea was, we all remember where this we were today? mentally. <laughs> yeah, would you, would you take this today in exchange for whatever else is part of the deal? And not like, you know, we'll get to it with football. But, you know, the idea was like, would you take this right now? Yes or no? Yeah, we, we all, I mean, I, I find myself kind of laughing when when I was watching, you know, when you when you go back and watch you know, a three-week-old YouTube video or whatever it might be, um, <laughs> and they show the clips of Gardner-Webb, like, you forget about that, yeah, right? But yeah, you have to realize, like, half, you know, oh, 10, that was 20 a minutes time. and a half. It was that a, game. Yeah, that was a dark. That was a dark. I was game. in, I I was in a sportsbook in a casino, and I really almost didn't like. If it, if it, I, they made a run at the end of the first half, if they didn't make that run, I wasn't watching the second half. No. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go for a walk or something. The extremes in our like a Virginia mentality that have changed for, from that moment until now, or it's drastic. But so I mean, I think you have to think of these in that mentality because that's where we all were. I mean, yeah. we all talked about, hey, last year didn't matter, but every one of us were. Yeah, like, every one of us were lemon booty when <laughs> when Gardner Webb rolled around. <laughs> um, so the next one was so we basically had the choice of take it or roll, right? right. Um, so the next one was ACC title in the Sweet Sixteen. Um, I think I passed. We all, one, right? I think we all rolled on that one. Yeah, yeah we all rolled on that one. 
Yeah, because um, at that, you know, it was like that's two things that they've done already. Yeah, you know, yeah. They just won the ACC the year before, and the Sweet Sixteen's been done. Yeah, yeah. And then we did ACC title and Elite Eight. Um, you two rolled. Yeah. Brad debated it, went back and forth, and rolled. I ended up taking it just because lemon booty. I love um, that you have <laughs> the notes on like how we did it. So you have the no, notes that I, I hemmed and hawed. He put he put Brad hemmed and hawed, and then said yes. It's very on brand for me. <laughs> Uh, and then and then the two funny ones i think the uh the final four but you lose the big three just the final four no winning man we were really the big three we were ready to sell that farm it's funny how (laughs) we all sold it we were just like that's all we want we just want a a nice final final four you know it's all good which brings us to we all took that by the way um and then the big one tight win the title but lose tony and the big three Every one of us here on this podcast took that. And I would do it I again. My, I remember my <laughs> debate. Like, I was like, "Look, like, I never dreamed of winning a national title. If you do yeah. it and you want to go somewhere else, I'll, I'll, I'll pat you on the back and give you a hug." And I mean, we can we can say now that it's like, "Oh, that was foolish of us," but it wasn't. No, like, it, it definitely wasn't. No. I mean, look at what they had to do to get there. Yeah. Look yeah. at like, that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> That was an impossible thing. And I, I I had a moment yesterday where I was doing something and I was like, oh, my God, they actually won the national. It like kind of dawned it, on me. It again. Happened, dude, it hits me like every couple days. There's something. And I'm like, damn, they actually did it. <laughs> like it's like, yeah, but it's like you take in the big picture and you're like, oh, man, that actually happened. Like <laughs> and we're making jokes about that thing, the video. But like and I, I mean, like I said, I shared it on Twitter this morning for a reason. But like. Watching it all spliced together, like it is freaky. It's like it, it still it, it doesn't seem not just doesn't seem real, but it just doesn't seem plausible. You know what I mean? Like like not just to even like to win the Purdue game and then get to to, to the Final Four and then do what they did. Uh, yeah, I I, I I in no way, shape, or form uh, would go back and change any of those picks. And if Tony decided he wanted to leave, I mean, obviously there would be massive turmoil and my life would be hell for a little while. But it would be incredible. Um, in in hindsight, like to tell if you went back and told us that night that they were going to win a championship and you were going to lose the big three and this was actually what was going to happen, we all would have said yes. We all would have said yes. It would have happened. I mean, but that, you also have to remember too, like the the alternative of not taking that deal is you're rolling the dice. Uh, you know, you have a guaranteed title, right? On the one hand, and on the other hand, you don't. And Tony could still leave for the NBA. That's true. Like yeah. you don't like that, and that's where we we'll get into the football ones too. But you have to remember, like the alternative to the deal, like is you don't know it could be anything. Yeah. It could be losing to a 16 seed again. Um, yeah. I think one of the deals I put in there was like UVA loses in the Sweet 16, but Duke loses to a 16 seed. Oh yeah, that was right. Yeah, <laughs> just for fun. Yeah. Or it's, I don't. You know, I didn't I, record I what we put on that, or I would have brought it up. I, I <laughs> should. You know what's funny is I should have. I can't believe I didn't do it. Because even then, at the time, we kind of knew it was possible. I should have put a deal in there that was like something, but Buzz Williams leaves. <laughs> that and, would, I, I mean, I, I for my for my for my brethren in media who don't have to cover him anymore. I mean, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I'd be doing them a favor. Yeah, yeah we exactly. Would probably all roll. Yeah, we probably would all roll because we all figured Buzz was. Yeah, we all knew. Yeah, we all knew. That's what I mean. The payoff isn't really there. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah. And then there was one where I think if we did like uh, the <laughs> Duke wins the national championship, we find out that it's actually rigged or something like that. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. So we found out the rest were on the take. That's the rest were yeah. on the take. Yeah. yeah. Just what we Hey, need. before we leave so, basketball. It was all confirmed after all. <laughs> yeah. Before we leave basketball, that, that license plate thing. To, oh, like, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, go do it, guys. Like, like, I think they're donating $15 or something for their first 1,000 bought go to Virginia for scholarships. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah for sure. Go, go buy some. I got mine today. And you can put I can't put it on my truck because I got a big truck, but yeah, I want the souvenir plate. Hang it on the wall or whatever. That's cool. Yeah. All right, um, let's transition to football. We wanted to talk a little bit about just ACC media days happening down in Charlotte. We won't get um, voting and yeah, all that fun stuff deals. until later. But, we, but yeah, we're going to get to the deals in a minute. But we're going to do some deals or no deals. But I do want to talk just genuinely, generally, genuinely, generally for a few minutes about just sort of the upcoming ACC football season. And, I mean, I don't know if, if, if you guys are in the same place mentally with football as I am. Because doing these looking aheads, and maybe Ferber to some extent is on there too, because he's written some of them, but like they've really got me thinking about the team in a different, in a more I don't know, um, in a more real way than just living off the um, the high of the national championship and everything that came after. Um, one, I guess, how how ready for football are you? And then two, is for me the theme seems to be change because it just feels like everything other than Clemson is good, right? Everything in the ACC just seems to be somewhat in some some sort of flux, right? Dave, we'll start with you. Are, what's your what's your excitement level about the season getting here in a few you know few weeks, basically? And then what 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 do you feel like the theme is going into it at least as of now? My my excitement level is probably like eight point five out of ten. Wow. Um, I, I do say like it would be ten out of ten if we opened at home. Or our first home game wasn't a Friday night. Yeah, like you, that, yeah, I'll be honest. You, that's that's damn. You and you and your tailgate man. The tailgate. Yeah. The tailgate I mean, that's rules. Half the doing it right. I mean, the tailgate like, rules. I can stay at home and watch a game if my tailgate's not good. I'm spending a lot of money on how to spend. So that's a good part of being a Virginia fan. Hey, if um, you have any tailgate needs, Dave, you can go to fanatics.com using our link and you know. Load I'm waiting up. for my promo code. Um, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to discount what you're saying, Dave. But I kind of feel like that game is like a soft opener. It is. It really like, you is. know, it's like, a, I don't want to say you shouldn't take it seriously, but it's kind of like, the, I feel like the big opener sort of situation is. Oh, it's Florida State. State. Oh, I do yeah. too. I mean, but I'm saying like, that's why I'm 8.5 out of 10 sitting here today instead of maybe being a 10 out of 10. Um, 8.5 this time of year is pretty good for me because especially when you consider, you know, we won a national title. So I'm a little fatigued from that. Usually we were at like a month out of sport. We, we lost a month. We're usually not rooting for sports. Um, but, as, you know, as far as my outlook on the season, I think that was the second question before I got all sidetracked. Um, this year, this year, I'm, uh, I don't want to be like a, a hand ringer, but because I believe in the system and stuff. But there's a part of me that also remembers like, I, I think we've got the right staff and I, and I think we're on the right track. And I, I Look, I, I don't know if a football national title is ever in our future. Like that's a whole different ball game. But you know, a, a coastal title, sure. And it feels like that could be this year. But I, I look back to when Tony was building up the basketball program, right? Like got to the got to the turning and felt like things were there, and then they took the step back, right? So there's a fine line between building the culture and then and then continuing it. So. They're playing with expectations this year. They had some last year, but a lot more. And that, I think that's that's where a lot of things can go wrong. And um, so there's definitely a little more. There's definitely more pressure. Gonna, there's going to be more pressure on the team this year. Um, so it's just a matter of how they handle it. I think we've got the right guys in place, but you know, it, it's not like they were a dominant force last year, and they don't have things they have to replace this year. 
So, but as long as you got number three healthy yeah. and you've got Bryce Hall back, like there's reasons for optimism. I'm optimistic. Um, I just think, I don't think you can be blindly optimistic. I don't think you can go, oh, look, we're going <laughs> to suck if they lose to Pitt. You don't Florida think you can start picking fights with Clemson fans? <laughs> Yeah, no, well, no, yeah, like or Bryce Perkins is the greatest quarterback of all time. You yeah, know, I mean, I mean if you want to be if now. you want to be the agent of optimism, I'm sorry that position has been filled. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's still like a fine line there, right? I mean, if you go look back to last year, some you know, the Louisville game was closed for a long time. Carolina came back, um, Ohio came back. You, you can say Virginia Dude. lost a lot of close games that they won a lot of. They won some games that shouldn't have been close. So there is a fine line there, and the question is, can they make the next step? I believe they can. But football's a funny game. You know, one or two injuries here or there, or one or two bad plays, and, and you lose a game. And then, for me, it's looking at it as, like, I'm going to be there whether, you know, all year. I'm just a little worried because I see fans I haven't seen talking about football, talking about football again. Um, and for me and my fandom, like, seeing them disappear if they struggle early, <laughs> the, that upsets me. Yeah. So, I guess you know, if you're here, having a Especially having an ACC opener. Like, yeah. yeah. Against the defending that, coastal champion, right? And people right. and people will like. I just I can see it now, and and I'm with you 100 percent on this. I think I'm very excited for football season, um, partially because there's nothing going on right now. Um, but like, I don't want people to. I think I don't want to sound like I'm down on this team because I'm actually like really high on this team. But I think that people are getting a little ahead of themselves with this, like. They act like UVA is just like uh, twelve games away from getting crowned. Like they just need to get through the season and they'll win the coastal. Like that's that's not how it is. Like they beat Miami last year because Miami completely like they were just UVA's defense was a great mess. game, but yeah. they were just like they couldn't do mess. anything on offense. Yeah. And that was and that was the difference between them having like a good year and like a okay year. I thought I think, but another thing is, and we talk about this every year, and UVA is a case study for this this year. There's always probably like five to ten teams that go to a bowl game and they win it and it changes the expectations for their next year. Like it's a bowl game. Like South Carolina, we don't even know. I mean, they sat a bunch of guys. I'm not trying to take away from the win, but you can't act like that's like, okay, well, that's clear proof that they've turned the corner because we've seen in the past that bowl wins don't necessarily translate and bowl losses don't either for other teams. It's just, you know, it is what it is. It's a great win for the program, but you can't, like, use that as a referendum. And the, the reason that that happens is because it's the last time we see them play for so long. You know, it's kind of like that's what we remember. Um, I think that my general ACC thoughts are that UVA is a fine pick to win the Coastal. Um, I also think that Miami is a fine pick, and there's reasons to pick them as well. They have different strengths and weaknesses than UVA does, but they also have a couple of advantages, one being that they get UVA at home um, and Tech at home. And I also think that people, and people aren't going to like this, I think people are sleeping on Virginia Tech a little bit this year. I don't think that necessarily the concern about where they are as a program isn't warranted. I definitely think it from like a culture building standpoint, but I think that the schedule breaks pretty nicely for them and they have enough talent to win games and their schedule early is easy. So they could end up like six and one. And if you are six and one, your team's not going to be mailing it in. So I think that if they end up nine and three, don't be surprised. So I, I think that there's a lot of hurdles that this team has to get across and a lot of things that they have to figure out big question wise, like, you know, 
on the offensive side of the ball particularly. Right. They have a lot of strengths, and they're in a much better place than they normally are going into this time of the year. But at the same time, I don't want people to think that this is some sort of like a coronation or that, you know, like success isn't linear. They won two games. They won six games. They won seven or they won eight games. It doesn't mean they're going to win nine. Like that, that's not how it works. Um, there are bumps in the road, just like Dave said. So I think that people need to manage their expectations while at the same time being excited for, you know, a very, very talented quarterback and a very, very talented cornerback and a lot of other really talented guys around them and what could be a very good year. But I don't want people to start thinking it's like ACC championship or bust um, or the program isn't in the right direction. I will. Let me I want to take a step back. This feels to me because we had this conversation today. We were talking about uh, media days and we're talking about uh, the preseason picks. And it was the first time in a long time I've actually felt like I needed to pay attention to when that uh, was released because I thought, you know, I feel like Virginia is going to be the pick to win the Coastal. And um, it feels very reminiscent to me to that first time that I felt that way about UVA basketball. And kind of today's point there's a building that sort of happens to when you have a program pointing in the right direction and, and you're starting to, um, to put some things together. It, at first it feels dubious, right? At first you, you're, you're, there's a thin line and you feel like you, you and to Ferber's point, like you're yeah, waiting for the other shoe to fall. Right. Exactly. Like last year, like, yeah, they, they had a couple games and if they had won those two tech games in, in, in the overtime, obviously, you, you know, the season is dramatically different, but they also had a few of them that like, they were really, you know, I don't want to say, I don't want to say lucky. Cause that's not the right connotation. They were for, they were fortunate in the sense that like they were able to make plays. The other team didn't. Some of that is just them going out and winning the game. And that's, that's exactly what you're supposed to. But at, at first, like when you start to build the thing and you got it in the right direction, there's this first little step that's, Tenuous, right? Until you get that solid foot, right? And I feel like that. I remember UVA basketball going through something similar, where it was that first year, and you're like, you know, like they actually probably should be the pick to win it. They weren't because you know blue bloods. But ultimately, that's that first the that first firm foot on the ground. And I feel like this is what that season has to be. Um, you know, it starts in Pittsburgh, but realistically, that game will not define it. It will be much more of a, you know, uh, obviously of the of the not just what they do in the coastal, but it, you know, getting back to the postseason for sure. I think it's not necessarily that like oh, if they don't win the ACC championship, you know, it's a failure. But I do think that they should be in contention for the coastal. Like they should be in there, not in the sense of just yeah. the way it was last year, but in you know, that's fair. You know, yeah, like they've sure. got to be in contention because at this point, that's what the that's what the firm foot on the ground feels like is being in contention for the coastal. Um and and look, it would be, you know, it would be good if you didn't look like, you know, um you, you didn't look out of whack while you were doing it, right? You if you you show competency even in losses. I, I always go back to football is different in the sense because you can have success even if you lose. Um but you kind of need to look good doing it. You need to seem like you know what you're doing. You need to seem like your guys are are, are are improving that dudes aren't taking a step back you know Bryce Hall goes out there and he's getting you know lit up every third throw um you know we're all going to be a little bit nervous but I just feel like with this team you can be both optimistic about it without to Ferber's point about you know they, there's a there's a there's an edge that comes to it and I don't think when, when you when you don't have that firm foot on the ground you, you kind of can't have that edge about it like oh you know, and you're you're talking smack and blah blah blah. I'm not going to tell people, so to speak, like how to be excited because you know, look, exci- you you do you. But I will say that, like, if you do that, you're setting yourself up for 
either the fail or the fall. And as I uh, as I've talked to a, b- a bunch of my friends about the tech streak, you know, it the the, the benefit of, of beating tech it will not necessarily just be you know recruiting bumps and such and such. It will be the the, the silence, right? If you're a Virginia fan, you know a bunch of tech fans. You know what happens right around that game. It doesn't matter how it happens, how what what tech looks like if they if they when they win that game, you have to you have to deal with the brunt. What you're looking forward to is the silence that 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 would be given to you by the gods, right? And I don't think even if Virginia were to lose to Virginia Tech and win the coastal, which I think we're going to get to in a dealer or no deal situation here in a second, I still think you can have success if the streak isn't broken. But I can also understand if folks are listening to this and they're thinking about what the season can be, if you point to that specifically and you say, in contention for the coastal and you got to break the streak. I do think one firm foot on the ground has to include one of those two, if not both. And I think that's a good place to segue into the deal or no deal. Dave, unless you've got a, something else to add. No, no, let's go. Okay. Uh, Ferber, you were in charge of, of, the, of the arrangements here. So let's hear them. What you got? All right. Let's start with the one that you mentioned. Um, let's say the deal is right now today, I can guarantee you a Coastal Division title and a matchup with, let's say, Clemson in the championship game. But you are guaranteed to lose at home to Virginia Tech on Black Friday. Do you take the deal or do you roll the dice? I almost want to say like I would as long as I knew that. Is that the only coastal loss? Like, uh, did they? No, also- I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't, I'm not gonna tell you how you get there. Well, the reason it's- I okay. Let me let me explain the reason I ask. I, I'm gonna take the deal because I think getting to the championship game is is a huge plus. I understand for folks who want to have, enjoy that silence. I get that that that's. Uh, that giving that up is hard. But I think that just getting to the championship game, one thing Virginia's never done, right? Never won the Coastal Division, been the, the representative in the title game. Two, it's it it's a it's a thing that you can point to, even if you get blitzed in the championship game, right? It's a thing you can point to that I think is a huge step in the right direction. Um, and with all fairness, like Virginia Tech's just kind of an also ran program right now. And I don't mean that in a, you know, sort of inflammatory way. I just mean it realistically. Like you're not even the in-state kids. You're not going to move the needle just by beating Virginia Tech. But you know what you could move the needle with? Getting to an ACC championship game. I think that in and of itself would be a big deal. The reason I ask about the schedule though is like, if we're talking about a season where Virginia's lost like two games, like maybe they lost to um, to Miami and Tech, but uh, you know they looked really good in the other wins, and those teams just were you know all over the place. The reason I ask is because I don't think it's just. Again, it's not just about the record for me. It's always going to be about the way you got there. But I, I, I would take the deal. Okay. I would well, take, let's I would say, let's say, uh, let's say they lose to Notre Dame and they lose to Miami and they lose to Tech. So they go nine and three, six and two. Uh, In my scenario, I still, this I still would take. I, I still, I still would take it. I'd still take it. What would you? Okay. What about you, Dave? I would definitely take it. I mean. The only way I would take anything over not beating VT would be to get to the coast to get to the championship game. Um, I don't know that it's you know, look as a Virginia fan, I had to watch Virginia Tech there. Like you act like it's no big deal because you know they're going to lose, right? But you still got to watch them for a week. They're still on TV and you're not. They're still being talked about and you're not. Um, and and that's fine. I mean, I, I think if you're not going to beat Virginia Tech, that's what you got to do, right? <laughs> that's the only thing that's going to make it okay. So. Um, because by rolling the dice, I could potentially get, not get either, so I'll take one. Yeah, and I would roll the dice. Um, a couple of reasons. One, 
I don't think that I think it's I think the coastal division is probably the primary goal for the team this season. So I'm not trying to like, you know, diminish that in any way. I don't think that that moves the needle that much for the program. Um, it does move the needle a little bit. I, I, I don't think like from a recruiting standpoint, it really matters, though, because I don't think Pitt's like had this huge windfall because they won the coastal division or North Carolina winning it a couple years ago or Duke winning it when they did. Um, but I would roll the dice for one because I think you could win it regardless. I think it's possible. Like I think you have a good enough chance to win it otherwise. Um, and in addition to that, beating Virginia Tech would help you do that. So I think I would take my chances on doing that. And also the main reason I would roll the dice, honestly, is because I'm pretty sure that UVA will have a decent season barring a rash of injuries. Like I'm not worried about like the bottom falling out necessarily. Um, and I think that this is your best chance to beat Virginia Tech that you've had in a while, except for maybe last season. But we didn't last know, season was but we didn't know going into last season that it would be. I mean true. going into the season. Yeah, like, I got you. You get them at home too. And and UVA has never really played well at Blacksburg since nineteen ninety eight. Um so I mean, I I think I'd roll the dice and take my chances that you can beat them at, in Charlottesville and and maybe get the coastal in the process. Like kind of like the opposite of what Dave said. I think I'd rather like trust the team to get it done in both ways than than not at all. See, I would say yeah, I do disagree. I think Virginia plays better at at has played better I, I at Lane Stadium. I would also say too, like if you if you if you if the next deal is that you're going to tell me that they lose the coastal, even though they go six and two, but they but they do beat Virginia Tech. I take that, that was team. exactly what I was going to say. That, I was that would be say, you. You beat Virginia Tech. You have a good season, like better than let's say better than last season. But you don't win the coastal. Yeah, I would take that too. Like Eight, four nine because, three. like I said, my whole analogy about putting that one firm foot on the ground. Like one of those two things are, and I mean, I, you and I apparently disagree because I think that winning the coastal would be a big deal. And you're right, Pitt hasn't turned that into a lot of hay. But at the same time, like. The questions that people have about Pitt's program are very different than the peop- than the questions Virginia f- that like Virginia has about its right whether it's recruiting whether it's fans. I think winning the Coastal Division would be big, but beating Tech would also do it. So I think it, whatever you got to do to get to your as long as it's not like a dumpster fire, right? You don't go you know two and ten, but one of those two is Virginia Tech. Um, although my godfather used to always say that he didn't give a crap. They could go one and whatever as long as that one was Virginia Tech. And I honestly think there are a lot of UVA fans who would probably agree. But I, I, as long as it's a solid season, they beat Virginia Tech, yeah, I'd give up the Coastal in a heartbeat. Yeah, I think that's probably the right play for me too. I, the only reason – and I'm not saying the Coastal wouldn't help them. I just kind of don't think it has the same effect as like a Final Four in basketball or anything like that. So, now, winning the ACC I don't think, I don't think do either, yeah. But um, it's just one of those things where I think I don't – do you know? Do you guys remember um, who won the Big Ten West last year? Uh, yeah, but we don't cover a team in the Big Ten. Like, you know, like I've, I hear where you're going with it, but I mean, the problem is. Do you guys? Like, do you know? Who, do you know? I who don't. Won the Big okay, Ten but West? no. Stop. Okay, your point. You didn't really need. Was it Wisconsin? It was. It was. It was Northwestern. Okay, it's rhetorical. Oh, dang it! I would have guessed. But here's the thing, though, dude. Like. But, like, people have questions about Bronco and whether it's sustainable, right? And they understand. Like, you can see what Bronco has done, right? And you can look at it and you can say, oh, uh, he's good at these things. Will it translate to wins? And last year it did. And now last year you're like, okay, but you still had a couple games last year. If they win the Coastal Division, right, that's two mm-hmm. years in a row. And look what they were able to do off of beating a crappy South Carolina team that rested a bunch of dudes, right? Like, 
I, I, I understand where you're coming from, and you're not terribly wrong. I just think that you're that you're trying to you're trying to paint with this broad brush when when a lot of these things are much more hyper local. And I guess I mean I, I guess what you're saying too is I, I get the idea that like if you win the coastal, that's a guaranteed good season. Like, like I mean, because there's no way you're gonna win the coastal at five and seven. So oh maybe if there was a division that was gonna do it, it would be the coastal. It would be. It would. But, <laughs> but I, I get what you're saying. Like, there's no way that would be like a bad year. Yeah. I would just I think with this team, I would take my chances. I don't know. Pittsburgh won the coastal last year and what went seven and seven six. And seven and seven. Seven. I mean, after, yeah. After losing to Clemson and losing the bowl game. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like, ask somebody in Big Ten country who won the coastal last year. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> the thing. Like for me, it's it's. I mean, I still think winning the coastal is a big deal. I mean, it may not be a big deal like now, seven months later, eight months later, but it's a big deal at that moment, which is right when recruiting's you know, yeah. the second class is going. So it does have a little a bump. I think for I would still it take would be me. helpful just because they haven't, you know, like it would be another positive step in the right direction. Yeah. And honestly, if they won the coastal and lost to Virginia Tech, I wouldn't be mad. It's just, yeah, I think yeah, I would. I think I'd rather take my chances to get it all. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I'd take I me. Mean, yeah, I'd definitely take beating Virginia Tech over the coastal, despite my first one, just because I've got to do one of those two things. And if I'm rolling the dice, I'm not doing either potentially. So. Yeah. All right. What are your? What, you have any more of these you got for? You got like two. I don't really have many more. Uh, another one I was thinking was um, UVA goes has like a pedestrian sort of season. I bowl like a eight and four ish, seven and five ish. Which honestly for UVA that's not really pedestrian. Is that pedestrian? But, <laughs> but let's say like they don't beat Tech, they don't win the Coastal. But Bryce Perkins is a finalist for the Heisman. Oh, my God. That's a, I, I totally thought when I said, do you have, what, two or three more? I literally thought, I hope there's a, a Bryce Heisman mediocre season situation. All right. I would almost want to say yes to that in the sense that, like, again, it's, it's, it's something you're doing something that you can take to, to recruiting, to, to donors, right? Like, that's the other thing. They're trying to build an operations center. Winning the Coastal Division would, would be, a, you know, a, something that they would, you know, I don't know, presumably like to, to say to people, but having success on that sort of level. I mean, I think just playing in the national, excuse me, in the ACC title game, playing the national championship, playing the ACC championship game would be a big deal, right? You're talking about, like, think about the, the sort of, um, you know, the, the being in that spotlight, right? But Bryce being on that stage and being able to take that to kids, I think that would have a more dramatic recruiting impact than much of what we've discussed thus far. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I, I, no, I, that's I think that I think having a Heisman finalist might be as valuable as winning the coast. Yeah, if not more. I mean, <laughs> you know, because you could go. Because if you also, if you have a Heisman finalist, you can't have been that bad. And he's like, a you quarterback. Can't have, you can't have been four and eight. True. Like, and no and he's a quarterback, which is obviously the most important position in, on your team, right? So it'd be different if, like, you know, he's Tiki Barber, right? No offense to Tiki Barber. Um, another April seventh birthday shout out, um, but. Um, sorry, and I mean if you're a running back and you like okay like ugh. but like you you put a quarterback on that stage you can take that to another quarterback I mean you you, you would get attention in a way that you just wouldn't yeah. otherwise you know and the only way I, I the only reason I said wouldn't win it because there's no way a seven and five eight and four UVA quarterback is winning the Heisman like that would be impossible um I mean if so yeah, there was a, like I would a, not take that one there were just a lot would of injuries on the defensive front you know. Yeah, I would not take that one. Um, look, as a guy older than you guys, I remember 1990, and I remember you know Herman and Sean were you know basically Sean was invited, Herman finished or opposite, sorry, Herman was invited, Sean finished sixth in the voting. 
Like that was fun to look back on, but that season being mediocre was not. Um, was it on TV? I mean, I'm not trying to. Yeah, yeah. Was it was it like only in the same format that it is? Today? No, not now because you know everything is much more. Yeah, but I still think it's no pun intended. Uh, I, I, I still for me like I'm a. I'm a Tony Bennett recruiter. I'm a bird in a hand guy. Like you've got a chance to have a special season. Uh, I I wouldn't want to give it up for a, a you know a Heisman finalist because a lot of the time, like do you remember who the Heisman finalists were last year? Like, you know, no, but I can promise a, you that when 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 recruit when coaches go to kids' houses, they know. Yeah, yeah but when the but coach the thing, the thing about house the Heisman, says you're not getting a number and you may not start, yeah, does that matter? So the that's kind of where my trade. The Heisman finalists, though, you might not remember who all they you know who they were in that year, but like you know all those players. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean you do, of course, but. I mean, for me, it's just I think this, like as much as I said, uh, you know, I, I'm worried about this season. This season has a chance to be really, really good too. So, I wouldn't want to give that up for a Heisman finalist because, right. you know, Virginia got two the year they finished eight and four, yeah. um, losing all the games down the stretch. All right, so. Ferber, do you have another one? Because I, I just I thought have, of one. I have one. It's, this is kind of random. I kind of just thought of it while we were recording. UVA goes eight and four. They lose to Virginia Tech. They do not win the Coastal. They go to, like, the Belt Bowl or something similar. But they beat Georgia on Labor Day next year in front of the nation. Oh. So they go 8-4. and four. But, you're get, but you get, do you they get wait. Like a signature win on national television to start next do year. They act, so they go to the – do they And Brennan Armstrong's first game. Or whoever, yeah, sure. Ball, yeah. ball and ass Brennan Armstrong. Um <laughs> God, that's actually a really good nickname because it's the initials. Um, all right, so they're eight and four. Do they win the bowl game? Do they not win the bowl game? Let's say they lose the bowl. Game. Oh, because see, so that kind of changes they, the trajectory. Let's, let's say they go to like the Music City Bowl and okay. lose to Mississippi State. But then they come out of the gates and beat Georgia. Ugh. I don't know, man. I think well, Labor I, Day night on ESPN. But here's my way. thing: is if I think you could almost roll the dice and be and let them see what they actually do, and they might do that anyway. Like Georgia's ridiculous. Don't get me wrong, but out of the gate against a team that Georgia's going to expect to beat the crap out of, I and you know ki- your kids are going to be hyped up, and you've got nothing to lose. I don't know. Um, I don't think I take that. I don't think I take that. What about you, Dave? That's a tough one. I mean, yeah, it was a, probably that's a wouldn't because I'm more of a burden hand guy, but. That's tempting. I mean, I do think that's a big stage, and if you're good enough to beat Georgia, it's not a fluke thing. You're not going to fluke. You're not going to fluke into beating Georgia. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, yeah, it's not conditional that that's like one win out of four or anything. Like that could mean that that they're going to be good. You know, I don't know. I'm going to pass just because I you know, I don't want to jeopardize what I think could be a good season. That's that's close. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I kind of think I might take it. An eight and four UVA season this year would, again, there's not as much tangible there. Like you can't say we won the coastal division, but the team that won the coastal last year was seven and five. I mean, you could you could take that to recruits and say we went we've improved our win, win total every year. We're eight and four now, and then if you beat Georgia, that's you can really sell that. Um, My only effort Georgia and Georgia Georgia next year, unless something crazy happens, is going to be like number two or something when the season starts. Yeah, they should. I mean, other than the bird in the hand thing, my only other apprehension would be it's SEC football. Like, 
who knows what could happen between now and next year with Georgia. You That's know, Kirby true. Smart could get into trouble. Something could happen. They could have some scandal. Yeah, or um, a bunch of players. Like, but yeah, I do crazy expect season this year and a bunch of guys leave or something. But I mean, I'm, I expect Georgia to be number one, number two, number three when we play them next year. So yeah. That's hard to pass. The Carla Williams Bowl. Um, oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I, that's just kind of like an off-the-cuff one that I thought of because that's such a big game next year. But, uh, Brad, what was yours? All right, so mine was something similar, right? A mediocre – well, mediocre, but like not no coastal. They don't beat Virginia Tech. They finish like eight and four. They go to a bowl game and they win the bowl game. And then Bryce Hall and Bryce Perkins both go in the first round. And Bryce Hall is a top five pick. Um, I'd take that. It, 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 more words. Explain. Uh, I would take it because I think eight and four. I don't think eight and four is like far below where they're going to end up anyway. Like I don't think that's like a bad. Hey man, season. no spoilers for the prediction podcast. All right, let's calm that, calm down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll. I mean, I'm not going to go game by game, but I think that I, I don't think eight. And, if you said like six and six, I wouldn't take it. But um, and that kind of shows you where we are right now. I know we we all got get preseason awesomeness disease, but. Um, like we're talking about like settling for eight and four. Um, and then getting other stuff in return. Like, I think, well, Bryce Perkins isn't going to be a first round pick, but no, no, that was the, no, for that's the gift. Okay. That's the gift that goes along with yeah. the, with the thing you got to get kicked in the teeth for. Like that's the, okay. okay. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I, I would probably take that cause you can really sell that to recruits. Um, and I think that eight and four is a fine season, especially like you said, you win a bowl game. So, um, I, I would take that. Okay. What about you, Dave? Did you say eight and four? And we don't beat Tech. No, yeah, no, no Tech, no, no, tech, tech, no, coastal, no tech. But they do win the bowl game, and then you get two first round draft choices, and Bryce Hall is top five. Uh, probably punt. Um, I'll roll the dice. The uh, same same reason is that the positive finalist thing. Like I think Bryce Hall is going to be a mid first round pick anyway. Um, and again, I don't think the guys who are going to be reacting to drafts are going to be the guys signing up yet. I think that's years down the road. Um, once the culture is more established, yeah, still think it's a culture shock. So, yeah, I'll, I'll I probably I probably should pass on that deal if I pass on the first deal. But it's an interesting deal. Like it's 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 an it's an interesting one because I think eight and four is a solid. It's not like a bad record, right? Any, yeah, and you're in a good bowl game probably. So yeah, I mean, Chris Long went number two in two thousand eight. Um, <laughs> so yeah, really helped the two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if it really. Right. Like, I don't, I'm not saying that it's going to like change the program or anything to have those guys there, but I think that you could have an eight and four season without those things. So true. Like, here's my here's my thought process on it was like you're not only getting a top five pick, but you're also getting a first round quarterback, right? And I think a yeah, first that, round that, quarterback that's the, that's the game changer. You know, the first round quarterback is the part that makes the trade worth it. You know, what I mean, that's the kicker that really I think pushes it up again i think that they have a very real shot to win the coastal and i think they got a very real shot to beat virginia tech so i mean i would probably take it on just because of the first round quarterback now you know whether bryce is you know whether the nfl likes him that much or not i mean that's up for you know somebody to figure out way further down the road but in terms of like what it could mean for the program like today's point about like culture shock i think in some some ways yes but dude they're pulling these kids from florida and louisiana how much more culture shock you need like you know what I mean? Like those aren't necessarily kids you would have thought of them been cool with like having to earn their number and they don't seem to care. Like they're they're pulling the kind of kids who who routinely, you know, 
are looked at as the ones who who love the hype and they seem to be picking UVA and I asked uh um the Watkins kid why he thought you know people were people from the uh, from the boot were picking UVA and he said you know because of the competition because that's you know what they they live off of I mean maybe the culture shock is just something we all think is a problem but it's not you know I mean I I know that in-state recruiting hasn't been where it's been and that has probably a lot more to do with Virginia being historically bad at football than it does, you know, what this, how this staff or how this program currently is constructed. But I mean, ultimately, getting a first round quarterback would be huge. Um, and then obviously having a top five pick or having two first round picks in general would be huge. But, you know, uh, I have one more random one just real quick. Right, we'll close and this this out. is really, this is really more for you than Dave. Oh, but God. okay, UVA goes, I don't know, nine and three. Uh, but they don't they don't win the coastal or their bowl game. But every practice that you get to go to from now on, you're able to see numbers and know who every player is. <laughs> Dude, when you said okay, I would take a nine win season over just about it, you know whatever because that's a step in the right direction. But um, I honestly want to know just how much you would give. I would up to give up. Know who the players I, are. I put it to you like this. I would get. I would go. I would take a step back in terms of wins, personally, just for just to be able to ha- just be able to know when I go to practice, I, I know what I'm watching. But realistically, it probably wouldn't be much. Maybe one or two tops wins, I'd go back. But otherwise, no, nah, I wouldn't be willing to give up much. Um, no, nah, Dave, I, how much would you give up for alcohol in the stadium? <laughs> which might actually. Happen. Yeah, I would give up zero because that's never been a problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a clever answer. That is a clever <laughs> answer. That's a good one, Dave. Uh, if you are someone who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your programs. Give us a rating review. Always helps to get us out in front of more people, and we very much appreciate it. If you are somebody who found the podcast but hasn't given us a look, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Right now, uh, I wrote a column about the Agents of, Agent of Optimism thing on Bryce Perkins um, coming up on a, a year since that, um, as well as you can read the, the Looking Ahead series is wrapping up here soon. We've got... This week we had the inside linebackers. Uh, as you listen to this now, Ferber's cornerbacks piece will drop later in the day, even though he wrote it a day early, but, you know, schedule dropped. Um, and I mentioned earlier, um, we, we talked about Jabri. Um, I had a takeaway piece where I talked to Corey Evans about the way the group fits, so make sure you don't miss that as well. So, again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank everybody out there uh, for hitting that Fanatics link. It always uh, blows my mind when uh, it'll be some random Sunday. Um, again, if you are uh, somebody who needs any type of, uh, whether it's UVA stuff, NBA, whatever, if you hit the link that's in the content item for the show or in the show notes uh, in your in your um, podcast app, anything that you, you purchase, once you click on that link, even if it's not UVA stuff, uh, it goes to support the site, which is very much appreciated. So uh, for everybody out there who has done that, thank you. And for everybody who will, thank you as well. And again, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time as always. I'm going to start leaning on them hard here. Um, coming up soon, so uh, I very much appreciate them hanging in with me. For David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.